Hello again, everyone, and welcome to what it is, the Derek Hunter Podcast. What the hell's the day today? The 24th of March, 2024. Happy, what day is it? Thursday. Good Lord. Holy Frank to Nana. Anyway, happy Thursday to you. I hope you're having a great one. We've got a lot of action to get to. It is, um, it's exposing Democrats, leftists, progressives as the defenders of the indefensible day here on the Derek Hunter Podcast, because that's what they are. That's what the Katanje Brown Jackson really is. So we'll get to all of that. First, let me just remind you, ask you, implore you to go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast, sign up to uh, support the show, get the extra bonus show, random shows too, as well as all the contests and the pictures of the family and everything and all that good stuff, all the cool things behind the scenes. I will soon be posting pictures of my new studio slash office. Not really a studio. It's where I record. So it's where I write, too. So it's also an office. Uh, it's pretty cool. I just put the stuff on the walls. So you'll get to see that. And all all for the low, low price. All that and more for five bucks a month. Chance to win, like, valuable autographed books and stuff like that. Go to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast. Check that out. Please sign up. Now let's get started. We've got a lot of ground to cover, lots of things to talk about today. The hearing of Katanji Jackson, Brown, no, Brown Jackson, I swear to God. Every, there's, I only know, the worst part about it is when I say Jackson Brown, I only know one Jackson Brown song. It's Doctor My Eyes, and that's it. I'm sure there are others. He's been around forever, so... All I know about Jackson Brown is he's got this Dutch boy haircut that he's apparently had since the 70s. He's got the Doctor My Eyes song, and he dated Daryl Hannah for a while. And I think there might have been, a, a, well, let's just say a, a rough relationship there that didn't end well. So what he, now I think Daryl Hannah is married to uh, Neil Young. So she really likes haggard, washed-up 70s musical icons or whatever. But hey... To each their own. Anyway, we've got uh, a lot of uh, audio coming up from the Katanji Brown Jackson. Just Judge Jackson, if you're nasty. Uh, the Judge Jackson hearing today, uh, yesterday, because she's... Uh, it's amazing the lengths to which the left will go to defend the indefensible. They can't... She's going to get confirmed. She's going to get confirmed. All they should do is just say, well, yeah, nobody's perfect. Not particularly uh, a shining moment here when she sentenced a kid, a guy, 18 years old, who had apparently a large trove of kiddie porn photographs. She sentenced him to three months, right? Not a, not a stellar moment in anybody's judicial career. I bet everybody who's ever dealt with criminal law and sentenced people made mistakes. They were probably lenient on somebody who ended up going on to do something way worse than they, you know, like, oh, well, you see it all the time in Baltimore, for example. They just let people, oh, this person's been arrested 27 times and now they finally killed somebody. And you go, well, why were they let out? And it's because, you know, the judge is sitting there and you go, all right, well, let's, I'm going to give you a break this time. It's part of human nature. You look at somebody and you think they can be redeemed. They're not all bad. Especially when they're 18 years old, you think he's not a monster. He didn't, he didn't physically do anything. 
That being said, being in possession of hundreds of photographs of child pornography is disturbing, disgusting, and a pretty good indicator, not a solid one, but a pretty good indicator about the prospects of future activity. At which point, it doesn't really matter, though, when it comes to sentencing, because, and you'll hear in one of these clips where somebody goes, well, a psychiatrist said that they're not a pedophile. Like, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. The crime is possession of child pornography. You're not allowed to, it doesn't matter what, what's in your heart, what's in your future, what you planned to do with it, what you did with it. None of that matters. The crime is the crime, and the crime is possession. Period. End of story. That should have been enough. But for some weird reason, it wasn't. For some weird reason, this guy got a lighter sentence. He should not have. He should have done more time. The, the guidelines said eight years. The prosecutor requested two. So the prosecutor is already being lenient. And it is not the judge, or the job of the judge to be even more lenient than the prosecutor, except if there are seriously extenuating circumstances. We'll get to all of that coming up. But I'm going to make an argument. I'm not a lawyer. I never went to law school. Many people, especially ex-girlfriends, have argued with me that I have and told me in arguments that I argue like a lawyer. Maybe I should have been a lawyer. Probably would have been much more lucrative. Wouldn't have to sit here and go, how am I going to pay to get this door fixed? But hey, that's just me. So I want to start off with a little bit on this story because it is not being talked about, <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you. It's amazing how controversies are non-troversies when they're leftists. It's amazing how that works out. What was it? The Media Research Center. Thank God for newsbusters. They follow this stuff, so you don't have to sit there and watch all of this garbage. Both ABC World News and NBC Nightly News ignored the controversy. CBS casually mentioned it and go into it in detail. But ABC and NBC simply just ignored it. Now, I don't care. Look, she's going to get confirmed. I keep saying that because she's going to get confirmed. That doesn't mean you shouldn't explore her record. That doesn't mean you... It actually means you should really seriously explore her record. There should be reporters. You shouldn't need Josh Hawley asking about these questions. You should have reporters asking these questions of other Democrats. Little Manu Raju, the little uh, weeble-shaped dwarf running around up for CNN up on Capitol Hill. He should be saying, hey, Senator Durbin, what, she only did uh, three months here. This guy had a lot of kitty porn. Uh, what's going on, but they don't do that. They don't do that. They're not interested in those sorts of stories. That's not what CNN is in the business of. That's not what anybody in the media is in the business of. They don't report that way. If it were a Republican, oh my God, you remember they chased them into elevators. Hey, uh, Senator so-and-so, what about Julie Swetnick? Julie Swetnick is out there saying there are gang rape parties. Really? You done you done any research on those? You got any other human being? If they're gang rape parties, widely attended events, wouldn't there be a couple of people that I don't know in the ensuing forty years might have just a tinge of guilt about attending and participating in gang rape parties? Or some of the victims might go, "Now's the time to talk." Nope. They had to find out. They went after these people vigorously. Republicans. 
vigorously. They don't go after Democrats at all, not even vigorously. I guess maybe they offer back rubs or whatever. So we have to do it. Josh Hawley has to do it, not the media, not the people whose job it is. So let's see, where do we want to start with the audio? Let's start right with Josh Hawley. I think he uh, he sets the tone in this one because it's not that just that he was 18 years old and it's not that she just went easy on him for whatever weird reason that she's never just, she still won't explain. She just can't, she doesn't, she doesn't have to. I mean, she, like I said, she's going to get numb. She's going to get confirmed. But you'd think she'd offer up a defense that she isn't, that she hasn't kind of tells you that she doesn't really have one. She knows it. And it's better to sit there and take your lumps knowing that full well you're going to get through this anyway. Democrats don't give a damn about child pornography. I mean, hell, look at the, pe- the money, the people they raise money from. That guy out in California who's uh, killing young black men. I mean, they didn't really care. Nobody, Buck, I think his name was, nobody bothered to send his, well, until he was discovered. The third dead black kid, uh, I think it was, at least the second. Then finally they said, oh, no, we got to give some of this money back. We couldn't possibly. That's just wrong. Up until then, his money was as green as anybody else's. So Josh Hawley is pointing out to uh, Katanje Brown Jackson, Judge Jackson, if you're nasty, about this 18-year-old that she sentenced to three months for possession of a lot of child pornography. A lot of child pornography. And he quotes her from the record at the time. It's rather disturbing, actually. Listen to it for yourself. You did. Let me ask you about some of the things, though, that you said, because you said this this morning, and I, I appreciated it, how you want to direct the defendants. You want to get them to own up to what they've done in these cases. And I thought that was powerful, and I thought it was right. But let me just ask you about what you said to this defendant. You said to this defendant for whom you sentenced to only three months in prison, that your collection, I'm quoting you, your collection at the time that you were caught was not actually as large as it seems. Now, the government felt the need to respond to you on the record. They said the government doesn't believe that it's appropriate to just disregard the number of images, that the number of images can be appropriate. And indeed, in this case, the defendant has amassed an extremely large collection of child pornography. But you disregarded that. You also told the defendant, you said this, this seems to be a case where you were fascinated by sexual images involving what were essentially your peers. And then you went on to say the defendant was merely trying to satisfy his curiosity. Curiosity is your word. One more thing on this same idea. You said you were viewing, this is you to the defendant. You were, you were viewing sex acts between children who were not much younger than you, and this whole discussion is about why you're only giving him three months. Judge, he was 18. These kids are eight. I don't see in what sense they're peers. That's what's disturbing. 18, the kids were eight, and uh, Judge Jackson said, no, they're just, just your peers. It's like a, a 16-year-old looking at the pictures of uh, other 16-year-olds engaging in things. Not quite. There's a huge difference between 8 and 18. There's a huge difference between 8 and 18. If your 8-year-old came home with your 18 with an 18-year-old boyfriend, 
How would you react? Would you think, well, you know what, they're both in school, technically, in public, neither have graduated, so it's all good? No, you'd probably be arrested for beating the holy hell out of that kid, right? Or have to be restrained. Peers, where in the hell do you get peers from that? But those are her words, read from her court record, not made up by Josh Hawley. One would think you would try to explain that. She didn't. She doesn't. She doesn't have to. Because then questioning goes to a Democrat after that, and the Democrat just goes, let me talk for five minutes about how people deserve second chances, and you can't blah, 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 and you do this. Actually, we don't really even have to imagine. We have, let's see, we'll go with uh, Pete Williams next of NBC News, oddly enough, which didn't cover this on the big network, but did feel compelled to defend her on the MSNBC version of NBC News. Listen to this twisted, uh, glossing over, rewriting of the history that you just heard there, Including the, uh, I believe this includes the declaration by supposed psychiatrists that, well, there's no indication that he's a pedophile. No, he did, he was connect, contacted for sex by the police with a, a fake underage girl, and he said no, so so he's all good, or something. It's it's perverse the way that they casually dismiss this guy with a ton allegedly of, well, not allegedly he was convicted of child pornography. They spent a lot of time on this specific issue of an 18-year-old from Washington who the uh, sentencing guidelines would have called for an eight-year sentence. The prosecutors recommended a two-year sentence, and Judge Jackson imposed a sentence of three months. And so there was some discussion about why she did that. Um, I've looked at the records in this case, and I think, uh, apparently Judge Jackson just doesn't recall this case, and that, that's understandable. She had many, many sentencing and something like 500 court decisions. But the specifics in this case suggest that uh, this was a, uh, uh, an 18-year-old who was curious about this kind of sexual activity that he sought out. The court records show that a detective when he realized that this young man was uploading some of this, contacted him and said, how would you like to have real sexual activity with uh, my 12-year-old daughter, which was make-believe, and this young man never responded to him. And there was a psychiatrist who evaluated the young man and said this was basically his sort of curiosity about a specific kind of sexual activity. He wasn't interested in uh, younger people. He was just sort of curious about this for his own purposes, that he was not a pedophile. So those were the kinds of things, apparently, that Judge Jackson took into account in that specific case that Senator Hawley spent a lot of time on. Yeah, that SOB, Senator Hawley. Why is he wasting all this time? Why is he attacking this sweet, sweet woman? She doesn't even remember. That's what I find most offensive about it. I mean, the rest of it is, is offensive as well. But the, the idea that, uh, look, she probably, she clearly doesn't seem to remember. You, you tell me she doesn't remember. Here's how becoming a uh, Supreme Court nominee works. You are given the most extensive colonoscopy in your public life you will ever experience. Everything that you've ever done, written, typed, said, anywhere on video, audio, whatever, is scrutinized. All of your decisions are reread. There's a team of people who go through everything in the White House before you're even chosen. 
they flag certain things and say, this one could be a problem. You might want to pay attention to this one. And Josh Hawley let her know that this was one of them. That means that the White House likely knew long before that this was one of those cases where they were going to go, hey, wait a second, this seems a little bit weird. You let a guy go three months, possession of a lot of kitty porn. Uh, so she would have familiarized herself. I don't think it haunts her dreams by any stretch of the imagination, but there is no way in God's green earth. She apparently doesn't remember this case. This is not a surprise to her that this is coming up during these hearings. It was told to her publicly by Senator Hawley that this was going to come up during this hearing. So she had all the time in the world to re-familiarize herself with some of her greatest hits. But the, uh, I don't really remember that, it's one of those things I don't spend a lot of time thinking of, is the defense of somebody who's trying to hide something or has no defense. Think Hillary Clinton when she testified about Benghazi. How many times did she say, well, I don't really remember? Or testified about her emails. Oh, geez, I wasn't even in town that month. I don't know. Whenever there is somebody out there full of it, lying to the public, they can't just commit perjury. If they commit perjury, they're going to have a whole world of problems. But if they can't remember, you can't be accused of committing perjury because you can't prove that somebody didn't remember. It's weird how that works, isn't it? Just like you can't really argue a, a taste, you can't argue a memory. They know this, that's why it's happening. So P. Williams has no idea, oh, you know, she just doesn't remember this case. And oh, geez, it's... Uh, the the psychiatrist said that he's probably not going to end up being a pedophile anyway. Are you willing to to stake? Is he going to have your kids babysat by somebody who at 18 years old was caught with a huge stash of child porn of uh, eight-year-olds in uh, disgusting, compromising positions? You're going to go, oh, uh, we're not going to hire you, Eddie. But look, I've got a note from a psychiatrist that says that I am uh, very, very unlikely to end up being a, uh, a pedophile. Oh, uh, sorry, I didn't see that note. All right, well, then let's do this thing. We're we're going to the Sizzler. You watch the kids. I don't think any... I sure as hell wouldn't do it. <laughs> I'd probably beat the kid up and then beat my own ass for even considering it. But that's NBC News. Besides the point... The way that NBC News is saying, well, Ketanji Brown-Jackson doesn't really remember this because she's got so many cases. And, uh, hey, man, the doctor said he probably wasn't going to end up being a pedophile. Anyway, what's the big deal? The crime isn't that you may possess child pornography and therefore might go on to become a child molester yourself. The crime is the possession of child pornography. Think of it as heroin. You don't have to be a heroin junkie to break the law and be in possession of heroin and face jail time for being in possession of and trafficking of heroin. That's not how it works. There is no successful defense mounted by your honor. A uh, whiz quiz proved that my client never ever did heroin. Okay, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. The crime is the trafficking of heroin. The possession of heroin is the crime. That's, there are a lot of people in prison right now who should be in prison right now for possession of heroin, loaded with fentanyl, loaded with all sorts of horrible things, 
who are sitting there for extended periods of time who likely in their lifetimes have never done heroin. You don't get high on your own supply. I'm not a drug dealer, but even I know that one. So that's not the point. It's the possession. You could be a distributor of child pornography and say, well, look, I never even looked at it. I didn't even bother. I didn't care. It does nothing for me. And the judge is going to go, what? Oh, well, then... uh, then you can go. What the hell? I don't. I didn't realize. I I thought this was your kink, but if it's not your kink and you're just doing it for like a, a business thing or research or whatever, go right ahead. If you're just doing it to satiate some modicum of curiosity that you possess, why then go right ahead? Who am I to judge, right? Judge. That's the problem here. By conflating, by confusing, by. Uh, making stuff up, arguing points, and this is what the left does all the time. They don't actually engage on the issue. They create their own issue and then engage on that, and they defeat that. They build up a straw man and set it on fire. Everybody's the hero of their own story. And you sit there and you go, well, okay, that's that's great, Pete Williams, but that's not what the problem is. Oh, this kid, he was just curious. You know how, how 18-year-old... What? I don't know. I haven't I don't want to read about what this 18-year-old did specifically. But for the life of me, I cannot envision, imagine, think of whatever it is where you're sitting there going, "You know what? I want to see pictures of this." I need I'm curious. I need to know what an 8-year-old is doing and what an 8-year-old looks like doing this. It's just no way on God's green earth. There's something off about that person. Would prison correct them? I don't know. I doubt it. I don't think prison does that. Prison is more punishment, and I'm fine with prison being punishment. But if you wanted to sentence him to corrective therapy or something in addition to prison, that's fine. But the crime had been committed. The crime is the possession. The crime is the gathering. The crime is the hoarding of it. The crime isn't what you do with it afterwards. It isn't what you do with it afterwards. And so you end up in a situation where these people have to twist themselves and contort themselves into weird positions in order to justify and and defend this Democrat judge. Jeffrey Tupin, speaking of people, weird people contorting themselves, twisting themselves in there. Jeffrey Tupin, the guy, the guy still has a job, for God's sakes. (laughs) caught uh, fondling himself on a video chat with colleagues, multiple, not just one colleague where it's a he said, she said situation. It is a he said, she said, she said, she also said. The other one said he also saw, some other dude saw, everybody saw kind of situation. And CNN said, well, try not to do that again. Keep everything below. Get one of those standing desks. I bet you that's what Jeff Tubin's answer was. Get yourself a standing desk. Then it won't be a problem. Make sure you only video chat on the standing desk and you'll be fine. Then you won't embarrass yourself or the network or anything rather than just go, you're, you're too big of an embarrassment. But of course, a guy who gets caught fondling himself on a video chat is the perfect person to weigh in on... The, the case of child pornography 
and what constitutes uh, serious action and important action. So he wait. He went on. I can't. I can't even see it. This out. He went on CNN to talk about this and why. Uh, you know, he he really desperately tries to explain why. Katanji Brown Jackson gave a light sentence to somebody who was in possession of a lot, a lot, a lot of kiddie porn. It tells me that maybe somebody might want to search Jeffrey Tubin's computer. I'm just saying. Listen to it for yourself. Can I just add one point about these these, these kiddie porn cases? And, and this this came up, I remember, when I was an assistant U.S. attorney back in the 90s, is that when those... Uh, when those uh, sentencing guidelines were written for those cases, th- this was a time when uh, the people who committed these crimes would order individual photos and 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 get and then get them usually through email, um, and then uh, they would be sentenced based on the number of photos they possessed. This was all pre-internet, so uh, once the internet came in and and people got. Um, access to hundreds and then thousands of photos, they would, the, the sentencing guidelines would reflect hundreds and then thousands of photos. Federal judges have been struggling with the issue of how do you create a fair system that was designed pre-internet that was, yet, yet you have to sentence people post-internet. And what I thought Chairman Durbin pointed out is that judges across the country including Republican-appointed judges, have been saying, look, we can't apply the rules um, that that were designed pre-Internet for an Internet society. And many judges have been giving somewhat less sentences as a result. And I thought that was a very clear explanation of why Judge Jackson uh, imposed sentences that were all prison sentences. It wasn't like she was letting these people go, but they were somewhat less than the guidelines because the guidelines had not been adapted for the Internet era. Uh, A lot of uh, Jeffrey Tubin's life has not yet been adapted for the Internet era, apparently, but it doesn't really matter. The law is the law. The politicians make the law. The judge enforces the law, period, right? Somebody's convicted. They face the time doesn't really matter is it really a quantity issue is it how many would you if you're interviewing a babysitter who's got a uh, kitty porn conviction in the past do you go well how many pictures were you caught with let me just ask you that right off because if it's less than a baker's dozen then i i'm okay with it but more than that we're gonna have a serious issue no the crime is possession the crime is possession. That judges are wrestling with it. All right, then let uh, let Judge Jackson make that argument. Why don't you let Judge Jackson? I think at the beginning when he said that you had to get it mailed to you, he said that you had to get it emailed to you. Uh, I think you had to send that stuff through the mail. And so there, that was different. I think you just misspoke there. But it doesn't really matter. Does it matter how easy it is to gather that kind of stuff? Does it matter? How many calories did you burn in the accumulation of these things that are that you're not allowed to, that it is illegal to possess? If it was really easy, uh, then okay. Well, if you... Marijuana, all right, let's pretend marijuana is illegal everywhere in the country still, like it used to be. It grew wild all over the place. People 
I'm not saying I ever did this, but I heard stories of people who were driving down the street, maybe picking the seeds and stems out of their bags of marijuana and threw the seeds out. And in the ditches, those seeds would roll. And then from those seeds, a mighty plant would grow. Now, if you walked over to that, if it was just like right next door, you lived right next door to the ditch and you walked over there and you picked all the buds off of it and got popped for having an ounce of marijuana, just making all this up, popped for an ounce, would you be uh, let off easier? Because, well, all you had to do was walk over to the ditch right there, whereas somebody else caught with an ounce of marijuana had to talk to their guy. And that guy probably had to be told, like, you're going to have to make some special arrangements arrangements to get an ounce to sell to me. Is that is one worse than the other? Or does the law recognize that it is the act of possession? How it was acquired is irrelevant unless you're trying to work your way up the food chain and try and bust the next guy. Let's try and bust the distributor of this kiddie porn. Let's try and bust the uh, the higher-ranking drug dealer, something like that. Otherwise, it shouldn't matter. It should not matter. Possession is the crime. How you came to possess it might be interesting, but it is irrelevant as to whether or not, insofar as it, whether or not it's a crime. So Jeffrey Tubin, again, he's, I'm not a lawyer, Lawyers are welcome to tell me that I'm wildly wrong on all of this and missing the point, but I am not a lawyer and I am able to argue against Jeffrey Tubin, who is billed as one of the greatest legal minds in our generation, any generation, ever. Uh, he's the Clarence Darrow of today, if Clarence Darrow couldn't stop touching himself in public. And I'm able to sit here and point out the fallacies in his argument. Where's my CNN check? Huh? I'll take that CNN money. There are other things that involve Ketanji Brown-Jackson that don't involve child pornography, which is a good thing, because it's not a topic anybody really likes to discuss, but it, you know, that's kind of what aids the Democrats here. Somebody should point, somebody needs to point out what they're up to. Thank God for Josh Hawley. Nobody should, and that's what's amazing, oh, they're just, uh, Republicans are obsessing about this, Republicans are obsessing about that. Really? They're not talking about anything that she did when she was 15 years. How much beer did she drink? When did she start drinking beer? Has she ever drank beer? Was it wine coolers? What did she drink? And when did she drink it? What does boofing mean? Let's get her high school friends on here. Can we get her yearbook? Can we do all the... Yeah, it's those damned Republicans who are just obsessing on all sorts of insignificant things. How dare they? How dare they? Disgusting, I tell you. Disgusting. You wonder why people despise the left, why people despise the left. Uh, but it wasn't just that. <clears throat> it was pretty much everything. Congress, or Senator Marsha Blackburn, Tennessee, she asked a very simple question. And it's amazing how these, these people lose their damn minds. Now, these are, we're told... That every one of these, the same holds to a certain degree, but not nearly to the same extent, because Democrats don't ask these sorts of questions because they don't, they fear the answer. And they recognize that the vast, there's no, there's no benefit to getting the answer. The question is, you know, what is a, can you define woman? 
I'm pretty sure a conservative justice would go, yeah, they are the ones with the double uh, X chromosome. They are they they have uh, they have the children. You know, there's all sorts of ways to define a woman. It's it's not a a mystery for the ages. So that a judge, uh, say uh, Amy Coney Barrett, says, oh yeah, a woman. I'm a woman. A woman is like me, and we have this, that, and the other characteristics. That wouldn't cause anybody on the right to recoil and it really wouldn't cause that many people on the left to recoil in horror enough people on it would cause the wrong people on the left to recoil in horror so they don't bother to ask that question but uh, normal people normal people there's not a whole lot of controversy about what constitutes a woman and what doesn't constitute a woman on the left however when you ask those sorts of questions something basic it becomes a, I wasn't even in town that month kind of thing. Like, huh? What? What? Where? Judge uh, Jackson was asked by Marsha Blackburn to define a woman. Uh, can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? N- not in okay. this context. So I'm you not a biologist. The meaning of the word woman is so unclear and controversial that you can't give me a definition? I, I can't. I just, I, it could mean anything. Uh, uh, to me, it could mean absolutely anything. Really? A basic term uh, that all human beings throughout all of our history has been pretty unambiguous about. Now, suddenly, because the last 20 minutes, some leftists have said, nope means something else, can mean anything you want, suddenly a learned judge, who is perhaps the greatest legal mind of this or any other generation, can't can't tell you what a woman is? <laughs> How are you supposed to take somebody like this seriously? Look, you, you just say, a woman is this. Whatever it is, to, she, she knows what a woman, I guarantee you, she uses the word woman in her life talking, writing, whatever it is, uh, in her, search her emails, you will find her using the word woman. Is she using it incorrectly? Is she using it to refer to a football? Is she using it to refer to a, a type of sedan? Like, no, I bet she uses it properly. I bet she uses it the way normal people use it. But because she's a liberal judge and now she's a you know democrat in good standing you can't what if you offend somebody what if you offend bruno who uh, decided 20 minutes ago that he's a woman what if you offended that person we couldn't possibly do that well that gives you a little bit of an insight into how maybe judge brown will or judge jackson will uh, rule on certain cases like whether or not a six foot seven dude can beat the girls in the swimming pool those sorts of cases she couldn't possibly who is she to decide what a woman is well uh, a normal human being and, and who am i to judge you're a judge you're a judge it's kind of your job to judge you mean you can't answer that question she wouldn't answer that question That tells you how far the political left has gone, doesn't it? Tells you how crazy the political left is now. It couldn't possibly define what constitutes a woman. The same can be said for when life begins. Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana 
asked her when life begins. Now, look, you can have your own opinions on it. You can be as sure as you want to be on it. But if you're a liberal, it's probably going to be different than if you're a conservative. That's perfectly acceptable. But uh, Judge Jackson apparently can't answer the question. Won't answer. Whatever it is, there's no answer. She doesn't try, bother to try. Listen to her ask this, again, basic question. When, uh, when does life begin, in your opinion? Senator, um, I don't know. <laughs> Ma'am? I don't know. Do you have I, a I belief? I have um, personal, religious, and otherwise beliefs that have nothing to do with the law in terms of when life begins. Do you, do you have a personal belief, though, about when life begins? I have a religious view. A religious belief? That I set aside when I am ruling on cases. Okay. When, 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 does, uh, when does equal protection of the laws attach to a, to a human being? Well, Senator, um, I believe that the Supreme Court, um, actually, I, I actually don't know the answer to that question. I'm sorry. I don't. Okay. <laughs> I don't. I, it's a mystery for the ages. I don't know. Do you have an opinion? I'm asking you your opinion. I, I have an opinion, but I, I, I'm not going to give you my opinion. And don't worry, I set my opinion aside. So what does that mean? When do you do you when do you like to have lunch? Well, Senator, I couldn't tell you. There's some people who like to have lunch right at noon. There are other people who are early risers, and so they have lunch earlier than noon. Whereas other people don't even have lunch at all. You know that Ty Cobb famously skipped lunch every day while he was a baseball player. That that it weighed him down, made him uh, made him feel better. You know, okay, that's all very interesting. What about you? No, because, you know, what's interesting is it's just different for everybody. I have my personal beliefs when I have lunch, and everybody else has their own personal beliefs when they have lunch. What? What the hell are they talking about? What the hell is she talking about? We don't know. She wouldn't answer the question of when life begins. Well, she knows she has her own belief. Now, her own belief could be uh, conception. Her own belief could be, I don't know, uh, every third Tuesday of the month. So whoever's ever born between those times, then at that point it kicks in. She wouldn't answer a basic question. She already said she sets it aside, and her, that's fine. I don't want somebody ruling based on their religious beliefs, but I would like to know the basis of somebody's rationale. That seems like a normal question, but it's too much to ask from these leftists. Because why? Because things and stuff. Because they're wildly dishonest. That's why. That's it. That's really it's that simple. You really do have to admire the left's commitment to their craft, right? Their ambiguity, their... Un look, I'm a woman. I couldn't possibly... I'm not a... I'm not a... Who am I? What do I look like? Jane Goodall? I couldn't... Possibly. I don't know. Is there a famous biologist we know? I, don't know? I look like President Fauci. I couldn't tell you what a woman is. Nobody can. It's one of the mysteries of the ages. We've just managed to perpetuate our species through, you know, one of those weird little quirks where people, just certain people, no, no specific uh, common characteristics amongst those people, find themselves uh, giving birth to uh, another person. They're called birthing people. And those birthing people, uh, being a birthing person just strikes randomly. You could get anybody. My grandma uh, was, you know, coincidentally, it seems like birthing people run in my family. My grandmother was, a, both my grandmothers, as a matter of fact. I mean, what are the odds of that? Both of my grandmothers were, were birthing persons. 
but you know, I could see how somebody's grandfather could be a birthing person too. Uh, it's just one of those things science can't quite explain as to why and how it is that somebody becomes a birthing person. And uh, we may never figure it out. And this person is going to sit on the Supreme Court for the rest of her life in judgment of everything that goes on in the United States of America. And there isn't a single Democrat in the United States Senate looking at that and going, this is nuts. This is nuts. Yeah. This is nuts. And oh, by the way, that's one way to discover whether or not somebody is or isn't a woman. Just saying. There's one more bit of uh, Katanji Brown-Jackson audio that I want to play. It was actually two more clips that have to do with critical race theory. It's amazing. It's not just her. KB, be, somebody should uh, probably patent or copyright or whatever it is, KBJ, because... That's like RBG. They went crazy with that. They're going to turn her into a hero. She doesn't have to do anything. She's already the smartest legal mind that ever walked the face of the earth. She didn't have to do anything. She just showed up, be nominated by an idiot, and go, oh, my God, she's so wonderful. So they're going to make T-shirts. They're going to do all that stuff that they did. She's going to be the new Darth Vader Ginsburg. Why? Because the left needs to worship heroes. They need to. They can't engage on substance. They just have to make somebody into a hero. And that's it. They're, they're a hero. You can't question heroes. You can't question. She's an icon. Well, you can't question an icon. Who are you to question an icon? No way. Shut up. You're, you're, going, you're questioning an icon. Don't you understand that, Senator Holly? You're questioning an icon. Why is she an icon? Uh, because she is. Don't you get it? Don't you? You don't get it? You really don't get it. Yeah, I get it. You uh, don't have anything else. You don't have anything else. Her skin color and her gender is all you're excited about because you probably don't know a damn thing about her. And you don't care about the kitty porn stuff because, well, you're Democrats. You took a lot of money from, from Jeffrey Epstein and palled around with him. So what are you going to do? Anywho, when it comes to critical race theory, what have the left been telling us? It doesn't exist. It's a myth. It's something that they, they philosophize about in law school, but that's it. Nobody's teaching critical race theory in schools, man. Nobody's doing What are you doing? Nobody's teaching critical race theory. And then every time you sit there and you go, well, what about here, right here on this uh, flow chart released by the school says uh, we're engaging in critical race theory. Well, you know, that could mean any number of things. What about this uh, class about defining your whiteness and somehow uh, counteracting your own white privilege? How do you how do you explain that one? Well, what? I don't know. What? No, 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 no. That's different. That's different. Uh, critical race theory is really just uh, weird, fringy philosophy only used in law schools and everywhere else. And then you ban critical race theory from being taught, disseminated, used in schools. The concepts behind it, the idea that somehow uh, if your skin color is one way, you're the victim, and if your skin color is the other way, you're the perp. You ban that sort of thing, and what do you get? Oh, these evil right-wingers are trying to ban the teaching of slavery. They want to defend all the slavers. No, nobody wants to defend old-timey Democrats, except for maybe you guys. But no, we just uh, want kids to be kids. No, no, no. It's, well, you're def you're we're banning everything that goes along with critical race theory, and you're swearing that critical race theory doesn't exist, that it doesn't happen in schools, it's not used, it's ridiculous. You're wasting your time. Then what's the problem? 
If I want to put a sign up on my front lawn that says absolutely no unicorns allowed, what's the big deal? What's the problem? They're not, you know, well, it's discrimination. It's discrimination against unicorns. Well, there's no such thing as unicorns. What if I extended it to leprechauns? Would my Irish ancestors be offended? No, because they're not leprechauns. Leprechauns don't exist. So if I put up a sign in my school that says you or make make a rule in my school that you cannot teach or use critical race theory, the teachings of critical race theory, and it wasn't there already, then what's the problem? Well, I just you can't you don't don't you understand? Uh, they get all flustered because they know they're full of it. They know they're full of it. So Ted Cruz asked Katanjay Brown Jackson about critical race theory and her thoughts on critical race theory. And her answer was, you know, uh, what? I don't even know. Critical race, what now? I never heard of it. No. I don't use it, Don't even though she's uh, has a long record of engaging not only in critical race theory, but like celebrating the father, uh, the fathers of, I guess, the founding persons of critical race theory and groups that uh, engage in critical race theory, that advance critical race theory in every aspect of life. She's uh, she's right there with it. She's a liberal in good standing. It's not because of the color of her skin. It's because of her politics that she holds these beliefs. So calling it out is probably racist. But listen to Ted Cruz ask her about CRT. But I've never studied critical race theory, and I've never used it. It doesn't come up in the work that I do as a judge. So, so with respect, I, I find that a curious statement uh, because um, you gave a speech in April of 2015 uh, at the University of Chicago in which you described the job you do as a judge, and you said sentencing is just plain interesting because it melds together myriad types of law, criminal law, and of course constitutional law, critical race theory. So you described in a speech to a law school what you were doing as critical race theory, <laughs> Oops. Oops. Now, this should be uh, problematic, to say the least. I don't know, critical race theory, what? It doesn't have anything to do with what I do as a judge. Really? Because uh, seven years ago, you gave a speech where you listed it amongst the things that you engage with as a judge. How's how's that any different? How's that work? What? Uh, well, no, you you you're taking that out of context. We have to watch the whole fifty minute speech to get the context. You're right here. How about you give us the context? And uh, no, she can't. She doesn't. The less she says, the better it is for her. Not that I honestly, unless she stood up and started telling all the Democrats to go to hell. I don't think there's anything she could say that would cause a single Democrat to go, you know what, I can't, this is, she's too radical. There is no amount of radical, lunatic, leftist, leftism that would have a leftist senator go, you know what, that's a bridge too far. Can't do it. Now, if she came out and said, I believe the Constitution as written is uh, how it should be interpreted, and there is no, it's not a living document, then suddenly... Democrats would start falling out of the skies like it was the rapture. But anything short of that, if she if she actually if she just said, you know what, a woman is uh, biologically a woman. They have a this, they have a that, they have the other thing, and their chromosomes are this, that, and the other thing, and that's it. And that's all a woman is. 
then Democrats would start going, what? <laughs> She's a radical. We couldn't possibly. I refuse. And they would fall over each other announcing their opposition to her. But short of that, there's almost nothing she can do or say that will make a damn bit of difference. So she can get away with uh, saying, oh, critical race theory has nothing to do with my job. Oh, really? Because here's a quote of you saying critical race theory is a big part of your job. Uh, okay. She also kind of lied. About, she sits on the board of a Georgetown private school, right? And she was asked about critical race theory in the context of schooling. And she pulled the typical line of, well, <laughs> Critical race theory is for law schools, and that's about it. It's just one of those things they kick around like, you know, the multiverse. They just philosophize about it. It means nothing. And, uh, you know, that's it. That's period. That's all it is. And then uh, it was pointed out to her that the school on whose board she presently sits actively and pretty openly, it's a left-wing school in Georgetown, if you can believe that, actively and openly uses, engages, and embraces critical race theory. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, ugh, schools. That's her excuse. That's what she said. Schools. Uh, by school, I thought you meant different kind of school. My bad. Different kind of school. Listen to her talk about, well, it's a private school. It's different than a public school. When talking about critical race theory, suddenly when confronted with what she's done. But what I will say is that when you asked me whether or not this was taught in schools, critical race theory. My understanding is that critical race theory as an academic theory is taught in law schools. And to the extent that you were asking the question, I understood you to be addressing public schools. Georgetown Day School, just like the religious school that Justice Barrett was on the board of is a private school. Okay. It's a private school, just like Barrett. I got to bring in Amy Coney Barrett. Why? Uh, because. Because I'm pathetic. I can't explain myself. I can't justify my own belief systems. Oh, that doesn't make any a whole lot of sense, does it? Oh, I thought when you're talking about schools, I thought you're talking about public those dirty kids in public schools. No, no, I don't associate with the dirty kids in public schools. I associate with the clean children in these Tony private schools where they do embrace critical race theory quite uh, quite excitedly, as a matter of fact. Yeah, it's kind of weird how yeah, absolutes speaking, you'd think somebody, the most brilliant legal mind in any generation, kind of weird how they uh, make these kinds of mistakes often. Oh, wait a second. Oh, yeah, that's right. I never said critical race theory had anything to do with my job, except for that one speech that I gave where I said critical race theory is a big factor in my job. I uh, never in a million years would ever even consider the idea of critical race theory being in public schools. Well, I mean, being in schools. Well, uh, well, not, not public schools. Private schools where the children are enlightened, you'll see. The children of elites are much better than your children. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, probably because you're not elite enough, but the children of elites are better than the children of non-elites, and the children of elites are even better than the non-elites themselves. Um, so we embrace such things. And if a child of a rich, snobby federal judge soon to be on the Supreme Court cannot be indoctrinated into the concept that they are somehow a victim of society. 
than who, pray tell, can be. Because there is no more oppressed person on the face of the earth, as anybody knows, than the children of the politically connected, especially on the left. That's not just me, that's science, ladies and gentlemen. Getting a sense that you need your hip boots yet? Because it's getting pretty damn deep. Just looking at Twitter, Eric Erickson tweeted out uh, two headlines. This is actually really, really great. Two different headlines from ESPN about ESPN and how the left focuses on their priorities. It's relevant to the confirmation hearing. It's relevant to every aspect of life. One is from when the guy from the uh, Dallas Mavericks made the mistake of saying he supported democracy in Hong Kong. Yeah, and only in something like the NBA would uh, would saying that <laughs> be some kind of controversy. But it was because LeBron James said, "Oh, this guy's got to make sure he knows what he's talking about. He's got to. He needs to shut his mouth." Yeah, LeBron, you. You never open. If you only were allowed to speak about things you know about LeBron, you'd be a, this side of a mute, right? But one headline: As the China NBA crisis continues, ESPN toes its no politics line. There's no politics when it involves a giant market like China. That's why when you sit there and you go, "All oh, these atrocities are being committed in Ukraine," forgive me if I uh, don't take you very seriously. If you're doing, I'm stopping all movie distribution in in uh, Russia, says Disney. Oh, great! That's a tiny blip on the radar, the markets there. So, congratulations! You've you've done almost, you've done something, you've done something, but as close to nothing as you possibly can do. Congratulations! You're a hero. Just ask you. And then, okay, what about the Uyghur genocide that's ongoing? Well, China, no, no, we're not doing anything about China. Why? Because that's a bigger market. They have more money than Russia. So when uh, China is involved, ESPN toes its no politics line. The subheadline, by the way, is the network's coverage of what is one of the biggest sports stories of the year underscores the challenge ESPN faces in an attempt to stay away from politics. Now, anybody who pays attention to news and sports knows that that's garbage. It's left-wing politics, and left-wingers love totalitarian regimes. This new headline is from last week. I recognize it. It was a story I had in my uh, tabs. ESPN broadcasters hold moment of silence to protest Florida's parental rights bill on LGBT education. Yes, suddenly ESPN ordered, seemingly because they were reading it, the two hosts of the women's NCAA tournament, the two play-by-play people or whatever the hell they were, nobody's watching as NCAA women, but they said, we're going to hold a moment of silence because of our LGBTQIRSTUVWXYZ brothers and sisters. They cared very deeply to the point that they had to say something about that, just not, you know, the genocide that's going on. You can't tell a kindergartner about gay sex, but you can kill a whole bunch of people. Disney has its priorities. Shifting gears up a little bit, <clears throat> Jonathan, Tur- Jonathan Turley is a, a man of the left. He's a Democrat. He's a lawyer. He's a professor at, uh, what is it, Georgetown Law or something like that. Uh, a, uh, he is a liberal, though, unlike Jeffrey Tubin. Tubin is a liberal. 
But uh, Jonathan Turley is an actual law professor that you would be, I think you'd be happy to have your uh, your kid take a class from Jonathan Turley. I think you'd be a little nervous if your kid was meeting, having a meeting with Jeffrey Tubin. You know, an after hours meeting. I'm not really sure. Maybe you should bring a friend with you. That's kind of, she's at, he's at George Washington University, not Georgetown. Um, he is uh, familiar to everybody. What's amazing? He used to he used to be all over cable news. This is a bit. This is again about the bifurcation of news, and the way things have changed. Just not even our lifetime is too dramatic and far too long of a window, and probably the last ten years. How things have changed. Policy experts are no longer welcome on cable news. They're no longer asked to go on cable news. Occasionally, you see a quick snippet of one in a news package, and then they bring on some bonehead contributor or uh, another host or something to comment about it. Like, okay, well, you just you know, you let the person who knows more than anybody involved on this topic, you just let them go so that you could interview somebody you got out of the payroll. All right, that. Doesn't make any sense to me, especially since you can interview those think tank people all day long and it costs you nothing. Forget the payroll bit. But Jonathan Turley used to appear all over news, not just cable news, but news. He was one of the go-to legal experts for just about any issue. And it wasn't... Look, do I think Jonathan Turley is the most brilliant legal mind on the face of the earth? No, I don't know who that is. It it might be him. I don't know. I will tell you that the reason Jonathan Turley was on the broadcast networks and was on the Sunday shows and was on, you know, Fox, CNN and MSNBC, depending on the day and depending on the news. The reason he was on all that is because he teaches at George Washington University. It was convenient. It's convenient. Most of these people are picked because they're convenient. Doesn't mean Jonathan Turley isn't a smart guy. He sure seems smart. I have, I've seen liberals get wildly angry at him in the past couple of years, but I've yet to see any of them actually refute anything he says. They're just mad that he says what he says, especially as a Democrat in formerly good standing. So he, so much of what you, you just watch, you see some sort of expert on television, on the news, even the broadcast news, especially the broadcast news, where they're like, oh, this person is supposedly an expert or whatever. That's interesting. And then you see, oh, they teach at NYU or they teach at Columbia or they teach at Georgetown or they teach at George Washington. And you're like, look, look, those schools are nothing to sniff at. They're good schools. But is that person the most learned on the topic or is that person the person that the producers met while they were at a cocktail party the other day? It's probably more likely that than anything else. That being said, Jonathan Turley has some very interesting takes and you only see him on Fox anymore because he has, like like Alan Dershowitz, who's a committed man of the left, Alan Dershowitz defended Donald Trump not because he thought what Donald Trump did was awesome, was wonderful, was great, or that Don, that he loved Donald Trump. He didn't vote for Donald Trump. He defended Donald Trump and was part of the impeachment defense based on a concept that is now seeming rather quaint. Principle, right? There doesn't seem to be much of that anymore, where somebody looks at it and says, I disagree with this person, but 
they absolutely have a right to do or say X, Y, or Z. Even the ACLU, which is you know built its name on defending anybody against government because rights, an infringement on rights to uh, an infringement of anyone's rights was an infringement on everyone's rights, right? So that's why they ended up defending the Klan's right to march in Skokie, Illinois in the 60s or 70s or whatever it was. Now the ACLU has publicly stated that they will not defend the First Amendment rights of people or groups with whom they, they, that they find offensive, that they find repugnant. Which is amazing to me. Like the con- those are the only ones that need defending. Who are the the people out there saying popular things, things that fly with the uh, existing liberal power structure, who are threatened by the government's existing liberal power structure? Anybody? No, there isn't anybody. It's the unpopular stuff that needs protecting. But the the ACLU has changed, cable news has changed, and Jonathan Turley now does not find himself on cable news anymore, except for Fox. He doesn't find him on the broadcastings. George Stephanopoulos stopped calling him to go on this week. It's weird how that worked. And now he writes a blog. He's still a professor. They can't get rid of him there, although I guarantee you they'd like to. And he has an interesting piece today about the Justice Department and... uh, Project Veritas. Ruby sent this to me. Thanks, Ruby. He writes on his blog, because Project Veritas a few months ago was raided by the Justice Department. They'd gotten somehow Ashley Biden's diary. It really is Ashley Biden's diary. Ashley Biden is one of Joe Biden's kids. Uh, Another one with a, a drug problem. Tells you a little bit, in my mind, about the parenting skills of Joe and Jill Biden, doesn't it? That uh, quite a few of their kids, seemingly a disproportionate number of their children, have substance abuse problems, long-term, well-documented substance abuse problems, and they're both handling it to varying degrees of success. But she kept a diary in which she wrote some rather uh, interesting, embarrassing, it hasn't all been made public, but there are reports uh, that she may well have been molested by someone. She doesn't say who, apparently, but it's in there. Also, she writes about showers with her father at an age that she deems to be inappropriate. Now, little kids, if that's what you got to do, like if times were tough and you got to say, Joe Biden didn't never really have tough times, but... If times were tough and you've got to save money on the water bill, I could see that happening. But uh, at an age where it, to the person, to the child, seems inappropriate, to my mind, the child is a pretty good judge. You can make of that what you will. That's the only detail that we have about that. But it is in keeping with Joe's rumored nudity when it comes to swimming, when he was vice president, swimming in the vice president's mansion. The um, female Secret Service agents were made to be uncomfortable because Joe did not want to wear a bathing suit and he would walk around like Leah Thomas does in the ladies' locker room. 
That coupled with the Tara Reid allegations and the allegations from other women that Joe's a sniffer, he's a grabber, he's a toucher, he's a kisser. He's a bit of a handsy pervert, and you have this handsy pervert walking around. Maybe there's a small area to get past on the side of a pool where his Secret Service agent is standing, and maybe you got to kind of brush past. I don't know. I don't know. The possibilities are endless. An adult human being would never put themselves in that position. Well, a, an adult human being who wasn't a total creep wouldn't put themselves in that position. Anyway. Because Project Veritas got Ashley Biden's diary, what they did with it was try to return it to Ashley Biden. They tried to reach out to Ashley Biden. They didn't publish it. They didn't even publicize it. They tried to return it to Ashley Biden. And suddenly the Justice Department got involved. And they raided just about everybody associated with Project Veritas's house. They took electronic devices. They surveilled them. They, they took client attorney-client privilege-protected information from them that miraculously and rather curiously about two days later ended up on the pages of the new york times isn't that weird now the new york times that still hasn't really verified the existence and the validity of hunter biden's laptop but they haven't talked about anything in those emails on there because it's an invasion of privacy it's hacked material they have no problem whatsoever with attorney-client privilege, unambiguously attorney-client privileged material that was leaked, might as well have been hacked, from the Justice Department to them because James O'Keefe and the gang over at Project Veritas think wrong. They're the enemy of the people, so you can go ahead and go after them. Well, uh, it turns out that the federal government has been chastised by the courts for abuses of power in their pursuit of James O'Keefe and the gang over at Project Veritas. And despite being slapped down in order to stop doing certain surveillance tactics and things, they have not stopped doing them against Project Veritas. Defying court orders, which seems a bit weird for an innocuous diary they were trying to return to its rightful owner. See, when she was trying to get straight, she was staying with some friends, I don't know what kind of friends, if they were junky friends or good friends, probably good friends, because she was trying to get clean. She had the diary with her and she left it there. Somebody from that place found it and clearly shopped it around or passed it around, whatever, through hands, don't know, but it ended up at Project Veritas. And now the left is going berserk and the power of the Justice Department is getting involved in something that it has absolutely no business being involved in. That's what Jonathan Turley writes about. It's the use of the uh, FBI in a case involving a missing diary is itself difficult to square with its priorities, let alone the different treatment given the New York Times, meaning the Veritas News versus Hunter Biden. Now, Counsel for Project Veritas has filed a motion detailing what could be a very serious violation of court orders as well as an attack on free speech and free press. You would think the Weeble over there, the ugly fat kid at CNN, Brian Stelter, would be interested in this since he is the self-appointed guardian of all things that are accurate and right and just in the press. He's not said anything. 
There has been relatively little attention, Turley writes, to the extraordinary efforts of the Biden Justice Department in pursuing those connected with the disappearance of the diary of the president's daughter. The concern is that the FBI is acting like a Praetorian guard in acting on what is a crime ordinarily handled at a local level. See, if it involves a Biden and if it could make the president look bad, showering with a daughter that's too old and uncomfortable to say the least who knows what else is in there you gotta protect that you've got to suppress it just like hunter biden's laptop the controversy over ashley biden's diary began during her father's campaign for the presidency in 2020 like her brother hunter ashley has struggled with addiction and was living in a two-bedroom house in delray beach florida with a friend now it's weird two of his children have serious drug problems the pressures put on hunter are well known the pressures put on hunter to be the family's earner to spread it around you know 10 percent for the big guy hunter biden claiming and complaining in text messages about how he has to bust his ass to make money for the rest of the family because he's the only earner in the family the family the biden family lives like a family that is wildly successful and out there at the top of their game in really important and lucrative industries. But realistically, they're uh, quote-unquote public servants, a community college teacher, and uh, people with substance abuse problems. How the hell do those people end up with three mansions in Delaware? How do those people end up with, you know, being able to go on a month-long bender at the Ritz, the Four Seasons, to go to Vegas? And How is that? Nobody in the media wants to ask that, because to my mind, it seems really weird that a family of junkies and so-called public servants would be able to afford these sorts of things, especially when Joe Biden tells you what, why, by golly gosh, he grew up just a blue-collar Joe. Just a nobody, just a slub. It's a lie. His family was wealthy. (coughs) But it doesn't matter. He's got the lie. Maybe they think people will assume that uh, Jill came from money. But Jill, maybe she did come from money. Couldn't have been that much money. Uh, She got divorced. Didn't seem to get a ton of money in that divorce. The husband, the ex-husband, the first ex-husband, Uh, implied, actually just straight out said, that she was having an affair screwing around with Joe while they were still married. So I don't think there would be a lot of money in their divorce for her if there was any money. Yet somehow the Bidens live like kings. It's weird. I get that Joe Biden worked with somebody like John Kerry, right? John Kerry married two women, one richer than the last. And the final one was a billionaires, the one who gets the Heinz ketchup fortune, right? So he's got tons of money. His kids, their kids have a ton of money. Billionaires tend to roll with other kids of super uber wealthy. How the hell did John Kerry's kid end up in business with Hunter Biden? That seems weird to me. Joe Biden, who tells you the only money he ever made was as a United States senator and he never made more than $200,000 till he was president, well, till he left the vice presidency, (coughs) seems weird that his kid would, yeah, they work together, but they're from different states. 
wildly different state, Massachusetts versus Delaware. They wouldn't have gone to school together, especially since Joe made a point of saying that he kept his family, his kids in Delaware, and he'd take the train home every day to have dinner with him. How did those two meet, hook up, and uh, end up making a small fortune together? Seems like something that might be worth a line of inquiry from some enterprising journalist out there, but there are no enterprising journalists out there. Not because nobody's enterprising out there, but because there are no journalists out there. So instead, the FBI is acting as the personal bodyguards of Ashley Biden and protecting Joe, and the only person who cares about it is a minor cable news player. And that's it. This is where we are as a society. We're so screwed. If you uh, if you have been paying attention to what's going on in the world, you would know, of course, that there is a wildly homophobic and transphobic attacks uh, happening down in Florida. It's just horrible. It is beyond reprehensible what the state of Florida did. They actually banned teachers from talking about sex with kindergartners through third graders. No, wait, no. No, that's not bad. How can that be bad? Oh, well, if you're a progressive Democrat, that is bad. That is the gist of what the leftists have labeled rather brilliantly from a marketing standpoint, the don't say gay bill. For all those gay kindergartners out there who don't want to, you know, play with dolls or their friends, they just want to talk about how they feel different long before they it's even humanly possible for them to feel anything uh sorry it's not a good day for you it's so ridiculous these people are what kind of a sicko like it's just a grooming gang oh man you know what i gotta do is i gotta go if i don't get to talk to kindergartners today about uh, gay sex acts it's somehow massive amounts of oppression it's unfair it's just wrong sick people Well, since Disney's located in Florida, uh, at least Disney World is, and the Epcot Center and all of that, I think their headquarters are still actually in Los Angeles. But uh, everybody looks to them, because Disney somehow, the friendly family place is now like gay headquarters. I don't get it. I never really watched Disney going up, growing up. I just didn't care for it. I thought Mickey Mouse was annoying. The rest of them were stupid, and I couldn't figure out what the hell Goofy was. So, and I could never understand Donald Duck. I could understand Daffy Duck. The Warner Brothers cartoons were far superior to the horrible garbage that Disney was putting out. I don't think I've ever seen one of those classic Disney movies all the way through. I know the gist of the story, like Bambi's mom gets killed or something and whatever. And Pinocchio wants to be a real boy and Dumbo, I don't really know what he wanted, but he got it or something. I, I honestly, I didn't watch any of that stuff growing up, and I still haven't seen it. My kids watch it now, and I don't. It, it, it's just boring to me. It seems stupid. But <clears throat> I did watch Fantasia once. I was told that that was amazing, and oh man, you got to get, uh, well, let's just say drunk and watch it. And I did, and I thought it was dumb. But I could see why somebody tripping uh, their minds on acid would enjoy it. That's apparently, that's what I was told Walt Disney was doing at the time, which I highly doubt, but that's what I was told. Anyway, Warner Brothers was way better. But Disney is now the home of gay. Why? How? 
who knows doesn't matter they embrace the the people that make a trillion dollars off of your kids are really really pushing the gay agenda they're free too it's just whatever but the employees at disney were apparently you know what we're told anyway by activists are very, very upset. We're very, very angry that Disney did not come out and condemn Florida's bill, the Parental Rights and Education Bill. They didn't condemn it before it passed. And they didn't because it's not a don't-say-gay bill. It's not anti-gay. It's leave kids the hell alone. It doesn't say teachers can't bring this stuff up. They say they shouldn't. This shouldn't be the point of a class. If a kid brings it up, they can talk about it all they want which has led to a whole bunch of teachers in Florida desperately screaming, trying to get the kids to talk to them about homosexuality, which probably going to turn into a kink and maybe its own gender soon. Well, to protest how awful Disney is, this company that employs these otherwise, I would assume, unemployable left-wing activist pieces of garbage. As if you, you just, they're left-wingers are left-wingers first. You should never, you hire anybody. If you have a business, never hire anybody with, with pronouns in their bio. That's a good rule of thumb. Don't ever hire anybody who lists themselves as an activist. Even if you consider yourself to be an activist and open-minded, you want to hire somebody who's going to be your employee first and foremost, and they never will be. Progressives are progressives first and anything else a distant second. Well, they planned a massive, massive walkout across the country to protest their employer and how horrible they were for not speaking out against the don't say gay bill. And so they ended up getting what? The Gay Times. <laughs> there is something called the Gay Times. The Gay Times UK covered. It was trend this was trending on social media. Disney employees all over America walked out of work in protest of its response to Florida's highly controversial don't say gay bill. The legislation, which is officially called the Parental Rights and Education Bill, seeks to restrict classroom discussions about sexual orientation or gender identity in primary schools and has sparked international outrage. So what? You want to kind of sicko wants to talk to kids about your sexuality. LGBTQ plus activists are fearful that it could totally limit any discussion or lessons on identity, the community's history and the oppression it has faced, promoting uh, prompting its don't say gay nickname. Yeah, uh, you can't talk about it to kindergartners, you sickos. Right. You, you really looking to mobilize kindergartners says something about you. So then they say, oh, my God, the Disney walkout, the Disney walkout. They're going to do this. They got this big. And there's one photograph, exactly one photograph of the Disney walkout. They cite one thing in the Disney walkout. And it's outside Pixar. Pixar. Okay, yeah, they're a division of Disney. And there is a picture out in front of Pixar. Boy, how did they got the big lamp outside of Pixar and everything? And there are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, it's about 27 employees participating in this protest. The vast majority of whom are wearing masks outside on a beautiful, sunny California day. So that tells you what kind of idiots you're dealing with. And that's it. That is, it's worldwide, nationwide walkout to oppose 
Florida, the headline is Disney staff all over the U.S. walk out in protest of companies' response to Florida Don't Say Gay Bill, according to the Gay Times. Well, a local station down in Florida was on the bandwagon because local news is just as bad as national news. They wanted desperately to cover this. Oh, they wanted to find the protesters. So they dispatched some blonde reporter down there to find these protesters and bring attention to their plight. Just didn't work out very well. Here's what they found. Unclear how many Disney workers actually took part. West News Amanda Dukes joins us live from outside Disney. And Amanda, did you see any of them protesting? Well, we did see one protester earlier. You know, we're not able to get into the park or even into the corporate offices, so it's been a little difficult to get a handle on how many Disney workers actually did walk off the job. But I can tell you, monitoring ride uh, times, the waits for rides, as well as social media, it doesn't look like the walkout had any big impact on park operations today. Oopsie! Didn't work out as well as I thought it would. And this is, of course, it doesn't matter. Reality doesn't matter. The headlines are being written across the country. Protesters, all Disney employees everywhere. Everybody got together in Disney World down in Florida. One dude. And then she, Amanda Dukes actually tweeted out a picture of the dude. He's a, I don't know, he looks maybe 18 years old, if that. He's holding up a sign that said, trans rights are human rights. He's standing alone, holding that sign, wearing a gay flag and a gay mask, the gay pride mask. That's it. That's that's the whole thing. And she took lone protester stands outside Disney at the Hotel Plaza Boulevard. That's what you got. Where do you see the news coverage? Oh, it's going to be a massive protest. They all stood up for gay rights because the evil Republicans in Florida. Yeah, not so much. No. We do have a little bit of Jill Biden, or sorry, the Reverend Dr. Jill Biden news. God, just, you look at her and you think she's dumb. Then you're right, but you just, she's one of those people who you look at her and the, the, the face just says, duh. Not even no duh. Like you said as a kid, it's just, duh. I don't understand what's going on. And still, she's the smarter one in that marriage. <clears throat> Town Hall. Uh, First Lady Joe Biden was skeptical of President Joe Biden's decision to select then-Senator Kamala Harris as his running mate in the 2020 election, according to excerpts from a new book obtained by Politico. According to Politico, the upcoming book, This Will Not Pass, Trump-Biden and the Battle for America's Future, by a couple of New York Times reporters, quote, reveals some frustrations at the highest echelons of the White House between Biden and Harris camps, as well as the VP's angst over a policy portfolio she was given. Covered that yesterday. Excerpts from the book reviewed by the outlet claim that Harris staffers complained that she was given an impossible portfolio. Yeah, just means that she's incapable of doing the job. Look, for all you, if you're old enough to remember Dan Quayle, Dan Quayle was billed as what? He's a moron. He was an idiot. He was a buffoon. He did just fine as vice president. It wasn't any of those things. It was just how the media portrayed him. He did just fine as vice president. Now, if he did a hell of a lot better than Kamala Harris did. Yet Kamala Harris is not portrayed as an idiot, as a moron, as a person who can't string together a coherent sentence, who can't accomplish a single damn thing because she doesn't really believe in anything except the 
uh, aspiration and attainment of power for herself. That's it, period. Can't say that, though. That's probably wrong and sexist or something. Anyway, continuing what the reporting, quote, Speaking in confidence with a close advisor to her husband's campaign, the future first lady posed a pointed question. There are millions of people in the United States, she began. Why, she asked, do we have to choose one who attacked Joe? Meaning about her pick as vice president. Remember during the debate when she said, Joe, you you were against busing. I was one of those kids. You're racist against me. You're a horrible, horrible person. Yeah, why would you pick that person? Well, for the same reason you pick Pete Buttigieg to be Secretary of Transportation. Not because, my God, he's got some brilliant ideas about transportation. It's because he's gay. He checks a box. That's why you pick Jennifer Granholm to be your Secretary of Energy. Not because she has any background in energy. She doesn't. She was the governor of Michigan. She has no background in energy whatsoever, as evidenced by the fact that she's god-awful terrible at her job. Same with Pete. But she's a woman. So you check that box. Same reason you pick Javier Becerra to be the head of health and human services. Not because he has any extensive knowledge in health care in any way, shape, or form. He has none. He has nothing. He had no fingerprints on any piece of legislation when he was a member of the House that had anything to do with health policy. When he was attorney general of the state of California, he didn't take a particular interest in health policy whatsoever. He doesn't have any knowledge, but he's Hispanic. So you throw him over there. What damage could he do? And sadly, when it comes to most of these positions, we find out what damage, what what they could do. Because we're having a bit of an energy problem right now, and you've got an idiot in charge of it who knows nothing about energy. We're having a logistical supply chain issue going on for some time that hasn't been addressed in any meaningful way whatsoever because we have a guy in charge of it who's an idiot who was picked because of his sexual orientation, not because of his knowledge. When he was mayor of South Bend, he couldn't even manage to get bike paths put in properly. That's how incompetent he is. But he checked the right box. And then he gets the job, and he takes two months off because him and his husband adopted a couple of kids. Oh, and he got to have to never get this time back. You people out there are paying twice as much for dinner every night. Whatever. Who cares? I've got two new kids. I can't be bothered by it. And actually, that was probably the most efficient time that the Transportation Department had under Secretary Mayor Pete was when he was out for two months. So, yeah, why do we have to pick somebody who attacked Joe? Well, because she checked the number of boxes, Jill. You know how this game works. You know how this game... Well, maybe she doesn't. She, I did start this off by talking about how dumb she is. And frankly, Joe Biden is very dumb. There is a very high probability that Joe Biden doesn't understand that. But I would think that even she would get this or somebody would quickly explain to her that it's, you know, this is why. The excerpts reportedly claim that Biden's communications director, Kate Bedingfield, had taken to noting the vice presidency was uh, not the first time that Kamala Harris had failures. We covered that yesterday. So maybe it's the vice president who's the problem. But that Jill is now saying, hey, we're not a fan. And by the way, the uh, vice president, you want to know how feckless and how unpleasant she is to work for? The vice president is a, 
a fairly prestigious gig to have, especially if you think that that person will go on to run for president. You position yourself for being in the White House itself. She's had 10 high-level senior staffers leave. The 10th was just the other day, just resigning. Enough is enough is enough. And it can't be because Joe Biden has put too much on them. That's not how people in Washington work. It has to be because they can't talk to, can't deal with Kamala. It has to be. She has all the resources of the federal government at her disposal. She will be briefed up the wazoo on any and everything that she needs to be briefed on. She will have the best information, the greatest information, and all of the information that she could possibly digest. It's that she takes it and she comes up with uh, a friend in need is a friend indeed. And do you want to answer this question about domestic U.S. politics? The fact is that she is so incompetent that you give her all the information in the world. You can give you can give somebody a pile of Legos if they don't understand how to build anything. If they're not bright enough to get that. They're not going to be able to build anything. Kamala is that kid who looks at this and goes, what, is, what am I supposed to do with these? Are these some sort of weird evil candy i don't get it i'm not interested last i don't know who that surprises but apparently it surprises uh, joe biden and other democrats lastly today i just saw this headline this could be my favorite story of all time <laughs> the new york post you gotta love it um <clears throat> we've all been here at one point or another the singer might have fared better if she'd let it go. The story starts, Brazilian songstress Viviane de Quinteros Pierre, whatever, who cares what her name is, you never heard of her, had to be hospitalized after her reluctance to fart in front of her significant other resulted in a dangerous gas buildup. She detailed her gastrointestinal fiasco in an Instagram story for her 15.7 million followers, which has since disappeared from her feed. Quote, I woke up at 5.30 a.m. with severe stomach pains and ended up in the hospital. It turns out she just had to fart and would not do it. Would not do it in front of her boyfriend. <laughs> so she ended up in the hospital. Could, uh, she's a singer with 15.7 million followers. She doesn't have like a second room in her house? Go outside for a second? Crop dust the neighbors? Whatever. Oh, well, I guess you got to admire the commitment. That's all the time we have for today. Have a great day, and don't hold your gas in, for God's sakes. I'll see you tomorrow.